Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. Hi. I'm Burke. That was Jen. Um, really excited to be here with you this weekend. Uh, so today's episode, um, since most of the, I think, big sports and crime news is largely rehashing what we talked about last week, we didn't kind of want to do a whole other podcast on Ryan Lochte and Hope Solo, um, we're just going to have a bunch of hot takes for you today. Um because there's never a uh, slowdown in the criminal activities of our favorite athletes. Um, I thought maybe we could start with um, just a really quick um, Olympics hangover. Sure. So, you know, you said we didn't, we don't really want to rehash Ryan Lochte or Hope Solo, but she was suspended by the U.S. Um, Women's Soccer Federation or the U.S. Soccer Federation for six months for her comments about the Swedish team. I'm sure that um, there's many situations where Hope Solo has done really bad things and hasn't been punished for. And so this sort of seemed like a weird thing to punish her for. Right. And it does seem um, like the timing is a bit convenient since there are no major tournaments coming up anytime soon. Whereas when she was arrested for beating the crap out of her nephew and half sister, it was on the eve of the World Cup and they chose not to suspend her then. Um, So the cynic in me thinks they took this opportunity to kind of um, punish her for her cumulative activities um, and did it now because she's not going to miss any big tournaments um interestingly i guess uh (laughs) jill ellis coach of the u.s women's national team has been basically silent on the issue of what's going to happen to hope when the suspension is lifted or i guess expires um she is 35 which is young in the real world but i think kind of on the old ish end for professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, Oh, sorry. Especially okay. when like the major tournaments that are coming up are not for three or another four years. Sure. So she'll be, you know, almost 40, the next Olympics, 38 at the next world cup. Um, although how Tim Howard is getting close to 40 and he's did, I mean, he had that one remarkable performance in the last mm-hmm. world cup. So that was two years ago. And I don't know that he is guaranteed a spot. Oh on. God. Yeah. That was two years yeah, ago. It was two years that? ago. Yeah. Wow. Where's my life going? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he has, he doesn't play in the EPL anymore. Nope. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, Anyway, that's that's Hope Solo. So she is going to be, you know, sitting in a corner and thinking about what she's done for the next six months. Um, I'm going to say that I doubt that. Yeah. Um, but the maybe she'll get drunk and steal another van. Who knows? <laughs> um, but one of the one of the stories that I found pretty interesting, even though I didn't quite understand the story at the time it was happening, is this ticket scandal that has basically rocked the nation of Ireland. But apparently the former president of the Olympic Committee for Ireland, um, I think his name is Pat Hickey, he was uh, arrested, and I don't think he's been charged yet, um, but he's being held for alleged uh, illegal ticket sales. So I guess I'm assuming, I'm not really sure, that um, as countries you get a whole bunch of tickets that you can sell in your home country. So Ireland has a bunch of tickets that it could turn around and sell to the Irish public and they could make the trip to Rio or whatever. It's kind of similar to what happens for the NCAA tournament. I think each school gets a set of tickets that they can sell, but... Um, so the allegation is that Hickey and the corporate sports uh, group THG 
basically were holding on to these tickets and were reselling them at like several times their face value and estimates have ranged anywhere from like they would have stood to have made like $3.1 million to $10 million in the resale of these tickets. Um, but four people were arrested related to the scandal. A number of them included, uh, like aside from Hickey, like executives from TH, THG, um, and Hickey, I think, is an elderly gentleman. I want to say he's in his 60s, if not 70s. Um, and he was arrested, like, at midnight at his luxury hotel in Rio. He was, like, dragged out in a robe. He answered the door with no clothes on. So you have to wonder, what was going through his head? Like, who did he think was going to be on the other side of the door? Uh, <laughs> maybe he was just really tired and didn't wasn't thinking about what was happening. Oh, yeah, but... he had been woken up out of a deep sleep or right. something. But, yes, I don't know whose first instinct is like, <laughs> I'm going to answer the door and not have no pants on. <laughs> um, but I, I bring this up because he and um, the other guy, Malin, Kevin Malin, were sent to uh, a maximum security prison in Brazil. Not, like, county jail or, like, they didn't bond out or, you know, post bail. A maximum security prison for basically, like, a white-collar crime. <laughs> Which is kind of serious. They uh, they don't seem to be messing around with their um, foreigners committing crimes no. in in Rio. So um, yeah, that's got to be scary for these old guys. So he, I guess, had complained about chest pains, and they brought him to a hospital. But in addition to these other. Um, Hickey and these three other THG executives that were arrested, four other members of the Olympic Committee for Ireland had their passports, phones, and laptops seized. And so once they, once Brazil has your passport, you're not getting out of there. It's like a move, like a go-to move for them. Let's seize your passport. Right. Give $11,000 to the Brazilian Olympic Committee and we'll let you go, which is apparently where Jimmy... Fagan's um, money went. Money went. Oh, okay. I cannot remember where I read that, so that's an unsourced uh, piece of information. But <laughs> um, so the uh, members of the Olympic Committee for Ireland who were arre- not arrested, but whose um, property was seized, they are said to be cooperating with the police, um, and but their passports haven't been returned to them yet. And there's been no allegation that they've been linked to any of the ticket resale. I think it's just that maybe they might have information. And again, the fact that they still haven't gotten their passports back, and this has been going on for over a week, I, I don't know. It's not as if you don't know where these people are. And yes, they might be a flight risk, but these are these are former like Olympic athletes from Ireland who participate on these voluntary committees to, you know, bolster Irish sports or whatever. So it's not like they're unknown people like you'll be able to find them if you want to and you have their phones and their laptops so it's not like you don't have the evidence that you need you just i mean why do you need to retain the people um but it's yeah it's just i wonder if part of that is because i'm not sure about the timing but if part of that's driven by the fact that lochte got out of the country because he's since he's now been charged with submitting mm-hmm. a false police report you know, certainly I would have to assume he's never going to go back to Brazil. Um, but I wonder if now, because he was able to get out of the country before they um, seized his passport, whether um, the Brazilian police have become kind of skittish about letting people get away. Although yeah. it seems like they're escalating this for not a really great reason. Yeah, and I mean, that's how I sort of feel like, 
based both on this story and, you know, the Lochte story. And as we discussed in great detail last week, he's not a good guy. He's not someone that I would want to hang out with or be friends with. Or And I question his judgment in almost every situation. And I hope he gets booted off first in Dancing with the Stars, which is apparently where he's going on his redemption tour. But anyway. <laughs> and I, But, I mean, I just don't feel that the amount of punishment and resources being put towards this and to a lesser extent, the ticket issue is really warranted. And it's, I understand that he embarrassed Rio. I understand that he made a mockery of the, like the Rio police and, and all of that. But uh, I just, uh, yeah, they're pushing, they're pursuing it to an extreme, which I it's, it's unwarranted to me. Right, if they investigated their own police who were gunning down civilians in the street for no apparent reason, um, that would seem like a better use of their limited resources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's uh, so I guess the Irish ticket scandal thing is not going to go away anytime soon because, uh, you know, these two or a few individuals remain in jail and stuck in Brazil trying to answer for um, these tickets. And it was their mo- the tickets were mostly for the opening and closing ceremonies and some events not. It didn't look like they were for the um, the big ticket, sorry, for the pun, but yeah. like the events like track like and field and or swimming. swimming, gymnastics, things like that, beach volleyball or whatever. So, yeah, so that was, I mean, it just seemed like such a strange thing. But I guess this um, this ticket issue, reselling tickets, you know, happened at the World Cup in Brazil like two years ago. Oh. Not the same people, obviously, but this is something I, they must have been on the lookout for or um, because it happens. I mean, ticket scalping happens everywhere. Yeah. So you would think, I, obviously, these guys are a little more sophisticated than, you know, the people you see standing outside of, you know, Oracle Arena selling you Warriors tickets as you're trying to walk in. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I wonder what it is, because it's not like they're diverting resources from the government or something. So what the issue is that has the police mm-hmm. so hot and bothered about Yeah, because, issue. I mean, these are tickets that, I'm assuming belong to Ireland, right? Because that's right. how they got them. So it would be, if anyone is um, should be pissed off, it should be Ireland. Send them back to be punished in Ireland. You know? Yeah. And I think um, it comes on the heels of a disappointing Olympics for the Irish. Although there were some really great Irish stars, like the O'Donovan the brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who were great. And um, a few other notable Irish Olympians, but I think the boxing scandal really put a damper on how successful they thought these games would be for them. So. And were they expected to do better in rugby? I don't know. I know when I, I so I lived in Ireland for a year, and uh, rugby's a big sport over there, and I was kind of, I mean, I realized like New Zealand and England mm-hmm. are also really big teams, and Fiji, of course. Fiji, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, Fiji. Um, but I think I had expected to see Ireland doing a little better than mm-hmm. I think they did. I actually really liked the Rugby 7 format. Yes. These matches went so fast. It's like really it, exciting. Yes, there's a yeah. lot of scoring. Um, and you always have uh, the rugby players. When I lived in Dublin, I think it's the the Roses tournament. I should – this is, this is going to be a common theme of our podcast <laughs> where I start talking about things that I have, like, 75% of the details on. Anyway, it's a real big tournament in <laughs> Europe, and there were a bunch of rugby players wandering down Grafton Street, but you would pick them all out because they had oh, no bad cauliflower, cauliflower ears. ears. <laughs> so that was that's the point of that story. But um, 
rugby sevens. Yeah, it was a really interesting surprise from the um, Rio games. I don't think yeah. I had watched that much rugby mm-hmm. in quite some time. So yeah, I was um, I was really. I was surprised by how interested I was in it and how much time I spent watching it. Because normally, if it's a regular rugby match, I can maybe watch a little of it, and there's just a lot of running and tugging and tackling, but not a lot of scoring. Whereas this, it seemed like almost akin to an NFL game where you basically were either guaranteed a, a try or a, a field goal. I, I don't think they're called field goals in rugby, but like you know, each time a, a side had the ball, so. Um, what's your next topic that you want to get to? Um, so I don't think, I think that's about it for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one just really short take, cause we've talked a lot about Aaron Hernandez, um, over the past, uh, 12 episodes, <laughs> um, just very short commentary, but his attorney couldn't remember his name during his most recent um, hearing. I believe it's on the double murder that he's been charged with in Boston. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron Hernandez kind of laughed it off, but uh, did he just sort of blanket, or did he? I believe he just didn't couldn't remember. He didn't say the wrong name. He just couldn't remember. Oh, his okay. Name was Aaron. Um, so, pro tip for you lawyers out there. <laughs> Know what your client's name is before you start talking um, in court because it's real embarrassing. I have a professional uh, horror story from when I was a very new attorney. Um, there were two. I two. I worked for corporate clients. There were multiple people. Two of the guys were named Steve, and I flipped their last names because oh. they also had both their last names started with the letter C. Oh. And so, in giving a speech to a judge, I referred to the wrong Steve. And then had to get up and correct my mistake, and I wanted to die. <laughs> I was luckily able to recover, but um, yeah, it's not a good feeling no. at all. <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that that would probably be a reasonable mistake under most circumstances, but the fact that you're standing up there and you're nervous anyways. I mean, and the Steve I was supposed to be talking about was sitting behind me, so it was just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a rough day. That's not good. Um, but I've lived to tell the tale, and I didn't lose my job, so could always be worse. <laughs> Um, but uh, so in other NFL news, uh, there was a recent uh, kerfuffle over the NFL ordering Clay Matthews and I can't remember the uh, James Harrison and one other individual to participate in interviews because the NFL is following up on the Al Jazeera report about uh, HGH usage. Uh, this came from the Al Jazeera interview investigative report they did. Basically, over the new year, so eight months ago, um, that, bas- that were the allegations against Peyton and Ashley Manning and, and the clinic in Indianapolis. Right. So this is, and I guess Peyton Manning uh, did participate in an investigation, and he was found not to have committed any wrongdoing or, um, actually, I don't know what they found, but he, he in any they event. They found no credible evidence no. to support the accusations against Manning. So... I guess in wanting to close the loop, uh, the NFL wanted to interview the three other people who were named in this investigative report, and the NFL Players Association said, no, the NFL said, if you don't participate, we will suspend you. The NFL Players Association said, no, you're just, like, you're just pushing your weight around, we don't need, like, this is ridiculous, um, but in the end, the players relented, I'm assuming, with the support of its union, to participate in these interviews, and I think that um, those interviews took place, and again, the NFL found that there was no 
um, evidence to support the allegations that these individuals were in fact uh, using HGH. Um, and and that's, you know, whatever you want to say about the NFL and the players union butting heads over this. I mean, just from my own daily work life, uh, the fact that there is an investigation that's ongoing and you have people who are potentially the subject matter of the investigation, you know, it doesn't look great if you don't want to participate. I mean, that just you as the employer, you just assume that the person is hiding something. There's a much lower standard of proof mm-hmm. for internal investigations that are not criminal. Um, these are just workplace investigations. So, uh, you know, it was in the player's interest to participate and you know, obviously, they, were, they weren't going to have anything on them anyways, so I just feel that it was probably just a week of headlines on sports talk radio and, and ESPN just to, I mean, I, I would have just told them to, to get it over with, and the principle of the matter didn't really, like, I don't know that the, there was this huge principle at stake. Yeah, I think part of it, the, a part of the NFLPA's argument is that if we participate now, does this mean every time some you know, discredited news source comes up with an accusation against an NFL player, we're going to have to participate in this um, interview. Because I think, at least my understanding of the way that the timing of all this worked Mm -hmm. out is it seemed like everybody was saying that the Al Jazeera claims were complete Mm -hmm. bullshit for a long time. Whether Peyton Manning participated in an interview to clear his own name and these guys, since they're still active players and represented by the union, were slowing that down, and that was a reason for the discrepancy in them in the NFL coming out and saying, kind of clearing Manning, but not the mm-hmm. other um, athletes. I'm not sure, but uh, it does sound like that was part of the NFLPA's rationale here was, you know, the I think particularly in the wake of Deflategate, where it felt like, rightly or wrongly, whether he's exercising the rights that he has under the CBA or not, that um, Roger Goodell just kind of does what he wants to do and you're forced to kind of bend to his whims. Um, that's what it sounded like the NFLPA was kind of pushing back on, whether this was, was the time to make that fight or to pick that fight. I don't know. Um, and I think that's totally fair. And the, a problem that I have is that why did it take eight months to the point where this is when – you're interviewing the main subjects, and I get if there was you know, logistical issues or the fact that there might have been resistance initially doing this, or if there was a lot of um, background investigative work that was done, you know, with the Al Jazeera report before they were ready to talk to uh, the subjects. But the biggest problem that I have as an attorney for like employers in the situation is like it shouldn't take you eight months. Like, you're the NFL. You have unlimited resources in terms of getting person power, people power, to do this. And that it is that it does take such a long time for things like this to get resolved is, I think, really unreasonable. And um, But I, I get your point about whether you have to track down every allegation, if it's, you know, from a credible source or a non-credible source. But I know that from my perspective and what I, you know, in our work, even if the source isn't totally credible, still have to look into it. you still have to look into it. I mean, as much as it is to cover your own ass. Um, and it also does seem like Goodell kind of applying, um, maybe this isn't fair to put it this way, but, 
not in, it's not inconsistent, but he kind of he does whatever the hell he wants to do. And mm-hmm. you know whether Demar Smith had some kind of plan that by um, you know agreeing to such weirdly expansive power, they mm-hmm. would somehow be able to get around that. Um, like in with the Deflate Gate case, I think part of the reason that the district court judge didn't uphold the um, Goodell's finding is this idea that you know the decision of a neutral arbitrator should be given basically the same weight that you would give like a judge. Mm-hmm. But where Goodell is kind of quite clearly not neutral, his mm-hmm. decisions weren't um, mm-hmm. uh, accorded or shouldn't be accorded the same weight. And now that's being um, with the Second Circuit coming down and saying like, no, you're this is what you bargained you for. You bargained for this. You're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure that the threat of um, them participating in these interviews would set any kind of precedent because it doesn't seem like Adele follows any precedent. He just <laughs> does what he wants to do. Um, what's interesting is that in the letters demanding that these guys show up for the interviews, they're relying on Article 46 of the NFL PA Collective Bargaining Agreement. Um, and the NFL player contract, which requires or provides that the commissioner can punish people using any form of punishment for any conduct detrimental to the league, yeah. whatever the hell that That's means. The... It's the it's the uh, sort of the um, exception that swallows the rules so that it sounds like you can basically punish these guys however you want to for literally anything that in Roger Goodell's view is detrimental to the mm-hmm. league. But Article 46 does not talk about compelling people to participate in interviews. So suspending them under a failure to comply with um, a directive, a directive, even though there's nothing in the CBA that requires them to participate in such interviews, I think might have been a sticky issue if they had tried to push forward with this. But since these guys have agreed to be interviewed, I guess it's or were interviewed and have since been cleared. Um, um, not to go off on a tangent, but there's probably not anything in the collective bargaining agreements between our clients and their unions to compel them to participate in interviews either. I mean, what we do, I mean, we don't have subpoena powers, but we basically say that if you don't show up, it, you're being insubordinate. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not clearly written in any of our agreements that they have to participate. That's so. that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know, awkward pauses on podcasts yeah. are like not awesome, but I mean, we're just having. I guess because this is sort of uh, relates to stuff that we do every day. There's a lot of rabbit holes we can walk down here. Exactly. And my deep dislike of Roger Goodell makes me want to question everything <laughs> that he does. I also don't like being put in a position where I have to be supportive of Peyton Manning, um, which is what has happened here. So this is a nightmare story for you all around. It's really, it's rough. <laughs> um, but we won't go down any more work rabbit holes because I mean we don't really want to do that when we're not being recorded. So we're not going to force other people yeah. to listen to that either. Um, so stay. Sticking with the NFL because the season is like imminently starting. Um, right, the Hall of Fame game should have happened but got canceled because of the bad field. Conditions. Yes, correct. Right, um, and I know there were games last night. Was it last yes. night? Yeah, last night. Um, but uh, recently, a judge in Florida had d- dismissed or did or rejected um, a motion to dismiss filed by ESPN and Adam Schefter related to the Jason Pierre-Paul medical records tweet. So just to give you some background, um, in and around July 4th of 2015, or was it before? It 
was like it was during the Fourth of July holiday. Jason Pierre-Paul had a very unfortunate accident with a very large firework, and he lost chunks of fingers um, in this in this fireworks yeah, accident. If you wanna if you wanna have nightmares, um, there are pictures of his mangled hand. Um, I mean, this it's healed, but um, it's, missing fingers. Yeah. it's horrifying. <laughs> And I don't mean to laugh at poor Jason Pierre-Paul's um, injury, although he is nobody to blame but himself, I guess. Unless uh, it was a poorly made firework. I mean, which I, I suppose could happen, yeah. Um, he's not, as far as we know, he hasn't sued the firework company, so since he's suing everybody else involved in this, um, I yeah. think if it was a defective firework, he would have done something about it, but... Um, so in any event, he was he was radio silent with the Giants in terms of his condition and how serious it was, and there was a lot of speculation about you know whether or not he had a hand or if it was just a minor injury. Um, but of course, ESPN, being the worldwide leader in sports, sends Adam Schefter down to Florida uh, to stand outside of a hospital and report. Um, he came into the possession of Jason Pierre-Paul's medical records, um, and he tweeted out a screenshot of his medical records to his Twitter followers and everyone. 3.8 million of them. At the time. Um, and basically, there was probably pretty heated discussion at the time as to whether or not that it was copacetic for him to do that. Right. The uh, medical records did confirm that he had to have some fingers on his right hand amputated. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, the question came up as to whether Schefter could have just said, you know, ESPN has learned that Jason Pierre-Paul did in fact lose some fingers. Why did he need to actually post a picture of the physical records mm-hmm. themselves? Um, so Jason Pierre-Paul did, in fact, sue the hospital where this, uh, where the breach of information took place, ESPN and Adam Schefter. Uh, the hospital fired the two employees who were said to have uh, basically disclosed confidential medical information to Schefter, and the hospital probably pretty smartly settled with Jason Pierre-Paul for an undisclosed amount. Um, I'm sure there was probably a ton of confidentiality um, non-disclosure agreements signed in relation. Right. Um, but ESPN and Adam Schefter, um, who were sued for breaches of a Florida statute that uh, really is reflective of the maintenance of uh, patient-physician confidentiality um, and a common law claim of invasion of privacy, so those are the two causes of action that Jason Pierre-Paul sued under, and ESPN and Adam Schefter filed a motion to dismiss because their defense is that Jason Pierre-Paul is a public figure so that this information um, is not treated in the same way that my re- medical records or your medical records would be treated, um, that there is a uh, a standard in which um, you know, people need to know this information. Um, so they've also argued First Amendment freedom in terms of their defense. And uh, I think Adam Schefter has come out to say that part of the reason why he did tweet this picture is because he wanted to make sure that people believed him when he had a source. Which, as I think Jason Pierre-Paul's attorneys pointed out in their briefs um, or their complaint, that this just seems... That argument seems like complete BS because Adam Schefter, for better or worse, is one of the most, um, I think, well-known and well-respected uh, NFL kind of investigative journalists, for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, really of all the people 
who are reporting on the NFL who are going to get questioned about their sources. Adam Schefter's not one of them. Um, yeah, and and you could have reported the the information in a way that wouldn't right. have disclosed the personal private medical records of Jason Pierre-Paul, right? Uh, right. And Adam Schefter, you know, at this point, they're starting to use Adam Schefter's own statements against him. He did an interview with Richard Deitch of um, Sports Illustrated, who is kind of like a sports media, I don't, I don't know if ombudsman is the right word because he's not kind of um, looking at Sports Illustrated's journalistic standards necessarily, but mm-hmm. um, he does report on the sports media, and Adam Schefter made comments to him that were quoted in a story on SI.com um, that, you know, basically upon reflection, maybe I shouldn't have released all this information mm-hmm. um, publicly. So, you know, I think the challenge, I've read through the complaint, I think the challenge that Jason Pierre Paul is going to have is kind of overcoming this idea that really the Florida statute and HIPAA to a greater extent, which is the federal law about protection of health um, data, is really focused on the healthcare providers, mm-hmm. not so much other people who might come into possession of the healthcare or the health records. Uh, what they seem to be relying on is the language in the Florida statute that says that if a healthcare provider passes information onto a third party, that third party is also charged with the same confidentiality requirements um, as the hospital or healthcare provider would have mm-hmm. been. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it is a long shot for him, but the fact that he survived the motion to dismiss means that the parties are just going to be pushed harder to settle because. Um, the judge set the discovery cutoff for mid-February, so this whole NFL season, while Jason Pierre-Paul is still playing for the Giants, they his lawyers are going to be scheduling depositions, doing discovery, interrogatories, all of that fun, fun litigation stuff, but I don't think it's in ESPN's interest to... Um, have you know have Adam Schefter deposed or to go through that whole process? Yeah, and I wonder, you know, I'm just uh, this is just a thought I'm having off the top of my head. So um, back, God, I don't even know when it was at this point when Bill Simmons was still working for ESPN and made um, derogatory comments about Roger um, and got suspended for three weeks and then was suspended again for making more derogatory comments about Roger Goodell. You know, the the idea was that the NFL may have pressured ESPN into doing that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the NFL, I think to your point, looking at this situation where this is going to cast a pall over this entire season, having this litigation go on, mm-hmm. um, will the NFL pressure ESPN and Adam Schefter to settle? Well, I think that um, just from my experience, ESPN and Adam Schefter should want to settle <laughs> without the pressure of the NFL. Yeah. But that is just another another force that's coming to bear on them to try to get this resolved quickly. Because not only do they not want this to be a distraction, and I hate that term, um, but it, it's clearly what Adam Schefter did was – a really pretty douchey move. Like, yeah. And even if it technically doesn't violate any statute, I mean, he is suing also under the common law breach of privacy um, cause of action. So, you know, that's a little harder to prove, but... Particularly since he is a public figure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but they also, they did say, like, yes, they're, he, they admit that he's a public figure and there is an interest in terms of... Um, 
his health and, you know, for fantasy, for betting, for whatever other reasons. But again, you didn't need to uh, publish the information in the way that he did. So, yeah. So I guess we will um, stay tuned for. Yeah, hopefully, I guess for the sake of the NFL. I don't really care about the NFL. I mean, it's <laughs> I know you're like trying to get it up to be yeah. like for the and then you're like, ah, oh, I can't even do that. Um, I mean, I I will say I didn't really pay that much attention to Adam Schefter until this happened, and then when he did the sort of um, uh, interview to help resurrect Greg Hardy's mm-hmm. uh, career, and came out and said, well, Greg Hardy seems like a great guy, which. Of course he does, because most abusers don't come out and say, like, hey, ladies, <laughs> I right. want to beat the hell out of you. Let's hang out. Like, yes, he's probably a charming person. Doesn't mean he's not a complete monster also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I don't really feel a ton of sympathy for Adam Schefter, um, but also Jason Pierre-Paul blew off his own stupid hand. Like, what is wrong? With- there's not a lot of sympathetic yeah. characters in this story, although I do feel like Jason Pierre-Paul probably, there's no reason that his medical record yeah, should have I mean, put on blast to 4 million people. Exactly, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. yes, he was, it was a dumb move for him to blow off his own hand. I'm sure he didn't start the day <laughs> intending to do that. But, yeah. like, yeah, he did some stupid shit, but that doesn't mean that 4 million people needed to see exactly the extent of his stupid shitness, right? Um Although I guess that does explain why he posted a really sad Instagram photo of himself from the hospital where he looks really messed up on, I assume, painkillers <laughs> with his giant arm that looks like a huge Q-tip sticking up in the air. Um, that is on Jason Pierre-Paul's own Instagram that was not released by anybody else but himself. So feel free to check that out. Um, and I don't think that the I don't think that the tweet of the medical records has been taken down or has it no been taken? it hasn't i mean maybe today it has been but mm-hmm. um in the complaint that um jason pierre fi- paul filed um it's still it it's says still, that it's mm-hmm. still up there for anybody who yeah. wants to look at it um and i know it was included in a dead spin story at the time that the um yeah suit was filed which was clearly months after the incident mm-hmm. happened so um and if you want to get into the, the weeds on this, um, you know, more so than our five to eight minutes of, of talking about it, Michael McCann's article on SI is really great. So, um, and the reason why I'm laughing is because I'm being attacked by Burke's dog. Um, our third co-host is being a little aggressive. Um, I will include photos of him on the blog that I'm trying to take right now. Um, but he really enjoys um, giving kisses. There he is. Yes. Say hi, review. Um, he's also featured uh, on our Instagram page, which is UFR underscore BG. Um, please follow us. Um, but I think he's settled himself down now. So um, You had one more oh. uh, NFL story? Yeah, your your STD guy. Oh, he actually plays in the in Major League Baseball. Oh, when you said you're, for some reason, when you said fantasy team, I did not equate no. you with fantasy baseball. I used to play fantasy baseball. This is a uh, whole different side of you. Yeah, my, friends, my friend's brother set up a, a league, and uh, my team is named the Buster Posers, and um, one of my... Uh, pretty solid producers, which will tell you something about the success of my fantasy team, was Edwin Encarnacion, who plays for the um, 
Toronto Blue Jays. And he has been sued by, um, not an ex-girlfriend, I think just the lady he was, he was dating briefly, um, for uh, giving her multiple STDs. <gasps> multiple. You did not mention multiple. Yeah, multiple. During a um, romantic weekend, quote-unquote, um, she first met Encarnacion in 2013. Um, apparently, she... Uh, so we were talking about Edwin? Oh, you know what? I have to...